You sound like you are in an old-timey telephone. Well, I am using my, my very, very, very bad Bluetooth headset. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, but I will also be using a microphone. You just won't hear that until later. Oh, teasing me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's why people love this show. Mostly the, for the, the teasers. The, yeah, mostly just for the, like, sexy energy. It's almost too sexy. Come, come for the... Don't, um, don't use that music. word. <laughs> I know, I won't do my joke. <laughs> Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog. Oh, and I'm Nathan Hunt. Hi. Hi, I'm Cameron DeWitt. Hi, we listen Cameron. To, uh, so normally we only listen to studio albums. In yeah. This. We take an artist, we listen to all their studio albums in order. But um, Nathan, why are we talking about a not studio album this time? Well, Cameron, um, because it's so important to the Slayer chronology and the Slayer oeuvre. So um, what we're listening to... I don't to, know if that's ever been said before. <laughs> the Slayer oeuvre. <laughs> that's a yeah. great point. One of those uh, one and done sentences. Um, so it's very important for the Slayer chronology. And we're listening to an EP called Haunting the Chapel. And the way it's been released in the past, I don't know, decade or two is packaged as a um, single collection along with Slayer's first live album, which is called Live Undead. And the EP is called Haunting the Chapel. Um, And Wikipedia says about it, although originally featuring three songs, the record evidences a marked evolution from the style of their previous album, Show No Mercy, and is considered the first demonstration of the band's, quote, classic style displayed on later albums and is often described as a, quote, stepping stone. (laughs) Classic. Classic. Classic Slayer. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I agree or I'm not sure what exactly they're talking about. When they say that. Yeah, I almost feel like the live album bit is more indicative of where they're going to go. Right. Um, Yeah. So it it ended up being 11 songs, but we're going to be retreading quite a few from their first album because almost the entire first album is on here. Right. But there's a lot of new things to talk about. Um, They did... I didn't trace all the keys, but they did all of the songs in different keys. Oh. um, And different tempos. And they sounded much better, I'd say. Like, especially the drums. Uh, yeah, for the most part. The drums are like a quantum leap forward. We hear a lot of double bass pedal, too. Oh, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I was very Pretty impressive. That. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about this live album is that, let's see, I think it was recorded in front of like a dozen people in New York City. Oh, In a recording studio. <laughs> and wikipedia says it has been rumored that the crowd noise was added in a studio rather than recorded on stage i mean interesting i I guess that makes sense why it's so clear it sounds like it's just like the first like you like you just hear the first like you know 20 people in the in the first two Mm -hmm. rows or something yeah maybe they're just a really loud dozen people yeah all right Mm -hmm. um it it does this live album features some i guess you could call it banter 
that is not great. Some of it is uh-huh. really dumb, and some of it is not only dumb, but also extremely misogynist. Yes. So, great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once again, we're running into that issue of, um, okay, so you're evil, but is it okay for you to be evil and misogynist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get that you're evil, and we get that misogyny is evil, but do you get that misogyny is evil? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, like, I don't think the temple of Satan would, you know, get on board with misogyny. I mean, even if they're embracing evil, they'd still be like, hey, equality and uh, liberation for all, right? Right. Um, actually, speaking of Satanism, I read, or I saw on Reddit, I guess, a, um, a little story about a Satanist display in the Illinois State House. Oh, please. Yeah. So there's a sign Tell up. Tell me a story. There's a sign up that says the state of Illinois is required by the First Amendment of the United States Constitution to allow temporary public displays in the state capitol so long as these displays are not paid for by taxpayer dollars. Because the first floor of the Capitol Rotunda is a public space, state officials cannot legally censor the content of speech or displays. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. The Supreme Court has held that public officials may legally impose some restrictions but cannot put any regulations on the content of the speech. So this is clearly a tradition that probably goes back many, many years of just like having a nativity and a Christmas tree. Right. Right. And trying to protect that. Yeah. 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 And so they have one of those, but they also have a few other things, including a menorah. So that's pretty dope. And then they have a little statuette and it's a, it's like a little pedestal that has a pentagram on it and, Words that say knowledge is the greatest gift. And then it's a little statuette of an arm coming out of the pedestal, holding an apple with a snake coiled around it. Nice. Which is, of course, a reference to Eve eating the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty fun. And then there's also a little little, uh, plaque, a little sign that the Satanist people put up. That said, at this w- season of the winter solstice, may reason prevail. There are no gods, no devils, no angels, no heaven or ha- hell. There is only our natural world. Religion is but myth and superstition that hardens hearts and enslaves minds. All right. <laughs> oh, wait. I actually don't know if. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not the Satanists. That who is, is who that? the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So th- they. Their little display is just a sign that says some not great stuff. And then the right. Satanists have their just like much more artistic little statue that says knowledge is the greatest gift. So, ah, yeah, I like that. Better kudos than, to the Satanists. Than just shitting on all religions. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and the people who put that up, the particular Satanist group is the Satanic Temple of Chicago. So it's definitely not right. the, the Church of Satan who are more ritualistic. Right, right. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Satanism uh, made me think of that. Also, also, at the risk of devolving in one of these podcasts where people just sit around telling stories all the time, uh, I have some follow-up from last week. Remember how we were talking about double weenies that had love and hate written on them or tattooed Uh, on them? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Do you see where I'm going with this? I didn't think it was the most memorable thing, but yeah, go on. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I saw a dude on the train on the T here in Boston who had love 
and hate, I think, tattooed on one hand. He, oh. he had tattoos at every single like knuckle of his fa- oh, of gotcha, both gotcha. hands and hand tattoos and thumb tattoos and arm tattoos and there may have been like some neck or face tattoos. And I could not quite figure out what his deal was. I was like, is this dude a skinhead white supremacist? I don't know. Pretty intimidating looking though. Um, some people just like get, like to get tattoos. Yeah, but getting love and hate tattooed on your hands? I don't know. That, Why? Is there something I'm missing? It, I mean, it's it's specifically where it comes from is like a psychopathic killer in a movie. And then... Is, oh, see, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was originally in some movie in the 40s or 50s where it's like this psychopath who would, I think, kill people or something. I'm, I'm not... I don't actually know super well or remember it, but... I know it's something like that. And he like has one hand that he does philanthropic deeds with. And then his other hand just kills families. Oh, I I thought it was more about (laughs) masturbating and killing. Oh, okay. There you go. You know, because the, the left hand that says hate, that's for interfering with himself. And the right hand that says love, that's for killing people. (laughs) He loves to kill people. (laughs) Um, Uh huh. Should we talk about uh, the email we got from Jordan Gilbert? Oh, shit. Yeah, that email was awesome. I didn't actually w- have a chance to watch those videos yet, though. Did you? Uh, I have not. Um, we suck. Well, maybe we could just read this and then include the links and we'll check it out the next time. Yes. But Jordan had to say, I love the show, but I'm constantly behind. I jumped ahead to the newest episode due to it being about Slayer who I'm not big on, but I do listen to a lot of metal and was curious as to your take on it as a genre. Overall, uh, I rather enjoyed your thoughts on Slayer and metal as a genre. Thank you. That's encouraging. Thank you very much. Uh, um, Seeing as how we're two non-metal heads. Early in the episode. Soft, squishy heads is what we've got. Yes, that's us. Very acoustic heads. (laughs) Uh, We're real acoustic heads, man. We don't like those electric instruments. Early in the episode, you mentioned your unfamiliarity with the wide world of metal subgenre. So I thought I'd throw you a bone and link you to a very helpful resource that I think you'd both get a kick out of. Israeli guitarist Raz Ben-Ari composed and released 10 genres of metal in three minutes many years ago on YouTube. It's a good song and gives a solid taste of some of the more popular subgenres of metal. That's exactly um, what and- I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. If you enjoy that one and find it helpful, you might also like two similar video songs he released, Evolution of Metal, 1970 to uh, 2010, and uh, Metal Around the World, which I'm particularly Around the in. world, around the world. The robots? Is that is that why it's Metal Around the World? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's about the robot takeover. Yeah. Um. You also mentioned the similarities between metal and folk. There's actually a subgenre called folk metal. I'd recommend checking out the work of Tier um, Tier or Eluviti. Eluviti? I don't know. To mm. get a taste of some of my favorite folk metal bands. Anyway, I want. To, uh, I look forward to the rest of the season and hope you get some enjoyment out of the links. Jordan from Jersey in Austin. Hell yeah! Hey. Thanks so much, dude. Yeah, that was really, uh, really, well, I suspect it will be really helpful. So I'm going to give that a listen. And um, this is everyone's homework. We'll listen to it. You guys watch these videos. (laughs) Everyone loves a podcast uh, with homework, right? Yeah, we'll all come back and uh, talk about what what we learned, except for you guys won't talk unless you talk to us privately. And then we may or may not read your stuff online. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, 
I wanted to talk about this idea that metal is folk music. I wanted to clarify something. Uh So when people hear the word folk, um, that typically it's like a a genre, a, um, a classification of like how it would be what stations on the radio would play it mm-hmm. um, or like where to sell it. So it, that's a like commercial genre. But folk in its um, – the actual meaning of folk music means um, music that is developed by a community. Um, by a folk. Yeah, by folk literally as opposed to a top-down kind of process it's a bottom up or just bottom <laughs> nice. bottom bottom down <laughs> yeah that's the way i like um, to compose music yeah me too um <laughs> these days um so when i said metal is folk music i don't mean it's like acoustic or it sounds like joni mitchell even though although I love it does those things oh wait yeah <laughs> um i'm really excited for um slayer's uh electric um uh lap dulcimer album hell yeah here yeah i I hear their their uh cover of blue is particularly choice oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i'm dying so when i say folk um what i meant was um uh, so they were playing some really sophisticated rhythms and i feel like the the rhythms of um Usually you can tell if something's folk music by the sophistication of its rhythms. And I don't mean sophistication in a um, necessarily in an intellectual, like academic way, but not not that either. But like they're playing with this this feel that is developed culturally. Um, And I feel like metal coming out of, um, you know, punk music to the extent that it has. And and rock music is also folk music um, in its origins. So like. I was hearing elements of their playing that felt like uh, it, actual innovation um, on a sort of bottom-up level. Interesting. So, so you, meant, you meant folk music more of like a sociological term rather exactly. than like a, a genre term. And that might be overly generous. I'm not really sure. But that was the f- – when I was listening to it, I was like, wow, this really feels um, like real. Yeah. It feels like real real music being made. And especially listening to this uh live album, I really felt that. Like the 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 driving rhythm that's like always ahead of the beat, so you you sort of don't have your bearings. Like that was even more present. Um yeah. every every <laughs> uh I'll I'll go through this in like um I, I compared some solos in the uh, original album to the live album. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the main differences is that there's uh, about a 20 beats per minute difference um, wow. consist- consistently between the two. Yeah. And in, in fact, on way Wikip- faster on Wikipedia, they say of the song Black Magic, uh, they say established a career long trend of Slayer's live songs being more powerful than the studio versions with very few exceptions. Right. Yeah, it's like pretty out of control. Should we should we start talking about songs? Do you want to get into talking about Black Magic? Sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, where did I put it? Uh, let's listen to sh- Well, going through this, we're going to be comparing the studio to the live version quite a bit, probably. So should we start with the yeah. studio and then go to live or other way around? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Why not? So here is Black Magic. Fuck me. 
just doing a little jamming along. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, could you hear me? I was just yep. checking to see what key it was in. Oh, interesting. So okay. that's in E minor. Okay. At least that part of it. Yeah. Um, so that was the version from last week's album, Show No Mercy. Let's listen to the live version. Sorry, you you said that was Show No Mercy? That was the live version that we just heard. Oh, okay, great. Of Black Magic. Right, okay. Yeah. So um, that one is in E-flat minor, or, well, yeah, you wouldn't really do D-sharp minor. Um, that one's in E-flat minor. That I don't attitude. know if I don't know if that means that just all of their guitars were tuned down. Um, I would assume that they weren't actually, like, changing the shapes of what they're playing. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also possible sometimes sometimes there's a pitch shift um, when you take the uh, original recording um, and like apparently an old studio trick would be to record and then and then shift it up um, mm-hmm. like that wasn't uncommon or to shift up all the instrumentals and then sing um, I, I someone look this up I don't know if this is true or not but I've heard that all the like ACDC and stuff they would take all of the instrumentals, record it in one key, shift it up um, uh, without speeding it up somehow, and then record the vocals over the top. Hmm. But uh, there might be something going on in like that. But anyway, yeah, how did you how did you like the live version um, when compared to the studio? It's inter- it's like a lot faster. You can definitely hear that. Yeah. And a lot heavier. And I think the drums sound so much better. Yeah, yeah, they're. Do you mean the 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 timbre of the drums, or do you mean the what the drummer is doing? Uh, both, I think. Um, I thought that the timbre of the drums was a little more. It sounded a little more like punk. Like they sounded mm-hmm. a little more like acoustic, like like you're in a room or something. Mm-hmm. Which I thought sounded good, but it, it sounded a little less like intense. Hmm um it, sonically but i really liked it oh i was gonna say it felt more present to me actually well we're i guess we're not using very specific language so yeah or at least i'm not so <laughs> okay um so um yeah what is this this is a song about um oh this is just one of the this is like one of their generic like evil 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 bad 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 satan bad bad stuff etc right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess we don't really need to cover it. Um, let's listen to some solos. Um, so let's listen to the album solo. This one is in E minor. Um, well, I don't know if the solo, the chorus, if that's in the same key or not. Who cares about the key? Uh, it's in, um, it's 187 BPM, at least what I calculated by using a metronome app and tapping along to it. Mm-hmm. And I got 187. Uh, I don't think they're playing it to a click because it seemed to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so this is the album version of the solo. Of the solo. Mm-hmm. 
tremolo going on in there. Yeah. So um, what I noticed in the live version is that the right hand definitely keeps up. The left hand doesn't seem to be able to keep up with all of the ideas. There's some similar stuff going on, but the right hand definitely like keeps up with the uh, increase in tempo because it's at 206 BPM. So there's fewer melodic ideas, um, but it's just way more driving. Okay, that's quite a bit faster. Yep. It has the sort of the melodic and harmonic qualities of like a Sufjan Stevens electric guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's heard those. They're they're kind of comically bad, but on purpose. Yeah. Um, but uh, this one has the actual like right hand. Like it's kind of more about the intensity of the tremolo. So yeah, he's going dig 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 the entire time, and it's <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah, that's pretty nuts how fast he's going. Yep. I don't even know how one practices to get that fast. Like, hmm. I'm doing speed training right now on the banjo, and it's, like, fucking hard. Well, <laughs> it's like if I, like, stop – if I stop for a day, it's just, like, I have to, like, work my way back up. I'm just, like, doing, like, a metronome mark every day, and I know that soon there's got to be, like, a, you know – a point where I won't be able to do a metronome mark every day. It's not like a couple of years from now, I'll be like at a thousand BPM. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you need to get yourself a, a plectrum and B a giant pile of Coke. Well, that might help. <laughs> yeah. Or crystal meth or whatever. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to judge. Good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot easier to, to go fast on using a, a plectrum or a pick on an electric instrument because you can make much smaller right. movements and you don't have to worry about producing sound. So you can just like that do little wiggly motions and you can go a lot faster than like on an acoustic guitar. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Uh, guitar playing is little wiggles. Yeah. That's, incidentally, that was, that was my uh, old nickname when I worked at a strip club. <laughs> I'm Lil Wiggles. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a, a deep internet <laughs> search for is that what they call it deep Zeni. internet yeah <laughs> deep web what what am i saying i'm deep I'm booting up my tor browser <laughs> i want to see if i can find any bootleg little whittle little wiggles i can't even say it no and they're not going to be on tumblr wiggles. anymore either so yeah oh man okay what song next what song do you think is, is the most changed, the most improved on the live version? Well, I like Die by the Sword quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. let's listen to that. But first, let's listen to their intro, uh, quote-unquote, banter that they had before the song started. They say the bin is mightier than the song, but I say fuck the bin, because you can die by the song. It's kind of missing the point of the yeah <laughs> exactly um man those those dozen people that they recorded in front of are pretty loud oh oh yeah. and and at several points throughout this live album they start chanting slayer 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 sometimes Multiple times. even in time with the music yeah 
<laughs> All right. So here's here's a oh, I guess we should start with the studio version, huh? Of Die by the yeah. Sword. Okay. And then for the live version, it sounds a little something like this. Yeah, so the... That, I definitely thought his vocals were better. Yeah, his vocals are a lot <laughs> in, better. In the live version. Yeah. Um, the double bass pedal is full effect in that sample you just heard. And, uh, yeah, I think overall it's just like, I don't know, a harder grungier sound and I like it for Slayer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, another, it's definitely faster in, uh, the live version. Um, and there is, um, uh, a solo in both versions and, uh, let's, let's listen to the album version again. This is at 184 BPM. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me find it. So, um, if I remember right, um, this, so that's like a pretty consonant solo. Like it's all in E minor, um, and it has like a lot of very specific ideas in a specific order. You kind of go up, and then you go down, and then you kind of twiddle around in the different places. You shake it all around, um, and I, th- yeah, yeah, shake it all around. Do the you do the Slayer, you and haunt the chapel, and you shake it all about. And in the end, isn't that truly what it's all about? I mean, that's debatable. Um, but, uh, I think they do uh, pretty similar stuff, um, but at 200 BPM, uh, mm-hmm. in the live version. Yeah. Much faster. Um, that's <laughs> funny. I was just looking at the, uh, album cover for live undead. It's really funny. It's, uh, it's like this, this foggy graveyard. Uh, it has the word Slayer on it twice because Slayer appears on a headstone. So I think they're, they're dead. Um, which you can see because the members of Slayer are skeletons and they are <laughs> performing music. One of them is just like grabbing his guitar. I th- yeah, I think it's a guitar. It doesn't look like a bass. One of them's shredding lead on a BC Rich style electric guitar. There's a dude in the background with sticks in his hands. I assume that's the drummer and he's just like screaming at the heavens. And then dead center, yeah. I guess this is supposed to be the lead singer but he's tom dr- the bassist yeah oh yeah i guess i guess he would be the bassist so he's not playing his bass also he's not drawn very well 
his no, head, this is his a head, shitty drawing. It's all out of proportion. <laughs> and it looks like, yeah. what are those apes that have like the, you know, that, that same face shape of like sort of big rings around the eyes and then like a ring around the mouth that protrudes a lot? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what are those big fat apes? Gibbons? Or maybe. Orangutans? I don't, I don't think so. Gibbon. I don't know. Maybe I'll look it up and figure it out or something. I don't know. Bonobos? It's up to you. The clothes? Oh, maybe it is an orangutan. Podcast ara- clothes? Maybe it is an orangutan. Hmm. Yeah, like the orange orange boys, right? Oh, yeah, the big fatties. Yeah, they kind of have like a um, a certain sh- a shape where their uh, cheeks and their sort of eye socket and forehead area is much wider than their mouth and chin area. Yeah, so he's his skull well, this, apparently this looks like This has been that. Ape Talk. This <laughs> has been Ape Talk with Nate and Cam. Yep, just talking about how much we know. Thanks for monkeying around with us. <laughs> hey, monkeys aren't apes. Cameron. Man, you're even pedantic on our uh, make-believe <laughs> podcast. Of course. Cameron, it's fantasy. It's whatever I want it to be. And what I want it to All be right. is extremely pedantic. <laughs> Um, have we listened to the live solo version yet? Uh, of Die by the Sword? Yeah. Yes, we did. I mean, the, the, the solo itself? Yeah. Okay, I kind of got lost in in all of that bullshit that we're spouting. You're just really, really focusing on the apes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? Should we talk about... Let's uh, spice things up with one of the new songs from yeah, let's the get EP, spicy. Haunting the Graveyard. I'm up all night to get spicy. Yeah, what do you, which one do you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about Haunting the Chapel. Okay. Okay, Haunting the Chapel. He did the right. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's it was the wrong one. Um, it's, it, in fact, it's this one. Sorry, my bad again. Oh boy, I don't know how I got. I did it this wrong. So, um, this is Slayer's version of the Monster Mash, or the Headless Boogie, or the Zombie Slide. It's all about the undead partying, basically. Yeah, so I think I think the guitars sound a lot better than the last album too. Uh yeah. They sound a lot heavier and just beefier and uh richer. So this is a song about um Satan's uh ghouls and ghosts and stuff um invading a church Mm -hmm. and um then they have a zombie party uh, where they dance yeah and do the monster mash uh satan's morbid soldiers chant in lust destruction of the church will burn the cross i guess that's better than crying in lust Mm, yeah i guess so yeah i mean depends on what you're into i guess yeah boobs boobs (laughs) boobs boobs (laughs) Dicks, 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 dicks. <laughs> Boobs um, and dicks. So, yeah. Got so there's actually a, a useful genius uh, contribution here. Um, this is from uh, is No Known Name. 
uh, and this was five years ago. Um, and it's uh, no no name. They say, hmm, looks, uh, well, this is about the lyric, the Holy Cross, symbol of lies, intimidate the lives of Christian born. Um, not the best lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, the content I don't care about, but the, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's trying to say with words. Um, no, no name says, hmm, looks like Slayer isn't too fond of Christianity. However, lead vocalist slash bassist Tom Araya is actually Catholic. Huh. Guitarist Kerry King, who is an atheist, is the one who writes the lyrics. Araya explained, if it's a good song, I'm not one that's going to go, this sucks because it's contrary to my beliefs. To me, it's more like, this is really good stuff. You're going to piss people off with this. That's the only criterion for a good lyric? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Huh. Yeah. And then there's another um, genius uh, contribution um, that is just sort of breaks down the entire synopsis of the song. Uh, and the only notable thing is um, that uh, Black underscore Hawk hyphen C5OD instead of Christianity keeps saying Christianism. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's hol- Oh, there it is. Christianism. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh boy. That's funny. I found someone on Song Meanings talk about it. Ooh, very good. The triumphant return of Song Meanies. We've got Dan Stranger 51 8 years ago said, "I've never heard this song. Not yet at least. I think the zombie explanation is a little too far-fetched for me. Don't take so literally." It's describing the lost souls, Satan's victims, destroying the church system, plus the corruption that has plagued the churches forever. When the corrupted priest times come, they'll be praying to be saved. So, come on, don't don't take so literally, Cameron. Yeah, you're right. I had a shitty attitude. Yeah. You um, know, when it says, hell has seen the priests attempt to bring forth their Lord of the Cross, strike of 12, raise the dead, the chapel comes under attack. That's just a metaphor. Why don't you my- think of that? Oh, shit, they're attacking my church. Be right back. <laughs> uh, sounds like the war on Christmas. Am I right? Uh, it, it, yeah, I guess I guess it would be. Um, this is a real happy... Ho- this is Happy Holidays, the song. <laughs> it truly is. So, what do you want to do next? Do you want to um, hear Slayer's best Micro Machines ad cover? Or, Ooh, um, I kind of like the sound of that. Like impression? Or do you want me to um, read Wikipedia entry on what a tritone is? Well, to be honest, I kind of want to <laughs> listen to Zombie Slide because that song right. fucking bangs and it's stuck in my head yeah. now. Um, oh, do you remember the good old uh, ICP days? Yeah, the good old days. ICP. Back when we had good music to listen to that was never bad or problematic yeah. or boring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, in fact, do the Micro Machines. So this is... Uh, um, do you want me to play the album version first? This is the song Show No Mercy. Yeah. Alright, and now here's the live version. What? I don't think they're. I don't think they're especially concerned with the um, narrative thread being communicated. At mm. least not at this live show. Nope. Uh, it already wasn't like a super well conceived song uh, rhythmically. Mm-hmm. Like it was a little rambling. Um, but then 
when they did go ahead and decide to raise it from 210 to 220 it was there's just no hope mm. and um uh yeah so the lyrics are brothers of the prince of night by bargains we have made allies with the darkened souls our legions we must save fight for our eternal quest god can't save you in time evil stalks the night with us your soul it shall be mine a very um tie it with a bow you know two little quatrains there and it perfectly rhymes and uh let's hear the let's hear just the live version um the show no mercy micro machines 220 bpm okay those words? That kind of reminds me of um, there's this great video of Iggy Azalea doing a quote unquote freestyle rap. Oh no. And it's very, very fast, and she is absolutely saying. Nothing at all. She's just making total nonsense sounds and claiming that it's actual freestyle rap. Oh boy! Just just go. She's just gonna go ahead and lean into like you know. Yeah, don't worry. I don't have any respect for hip hop music. (laughs) Don't worry. I have (laughs) no idea what I'm doing. How I've made all my millions or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, on a similar note, um, uh. Well, a similar example, but a positive example is there's this great viral video of this dad who, through context clues, you can assume that the dad is a rapper, hmm. um, if I'm remembering. Dad right. rap. And his son, and his son who is two, um, uh, is rapping, at, is rapping, and he's doing a, he's like taking a verse of freestyle rap, but his son doesn't know how to talk. <laughs> so his son is just doing this perfect um, uh, nonsense <laughs> sounds like uh, freestyle rap verse. Oh um, man, that where sounds he has the amazing. contour and phrasing, like a really sophisticated contour and phrasing, um, and and pocket. But uh, he's not saying anything. But it's absolutely adorable that, and impressive. That sounds like a fucking bangs. You should give me the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I might be able to find it. Okay. I'll try to find both of those. Yeah. We'll have a little uh, freestyle wrap off between um, this two year old um, (laughs) and Tom Azalea. Oh, okay. (laughs) That too. (laughs) And Tom. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Three way battle. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's mostly what I had to say about uh, Show No Mercy is just this one. I think they do it a little too fast. (laughs) Yeah. A little more than they can handle. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so let's see. Let's go back to another new song. I think I have the most to say about Chemical Warfare. So hmm. let's listen to that. Where'd it go? There it is. So in case you missed that, what he's saying in, uh, I guess it's the chorus, he's saying, gods of the throne must be watching from hell, awaiting the mass genocide, soldiers defeated by death from a smell, bodies lie dormant, no life. (laughs) And if anybody out there can hear the words, (laughs) can hear the words, soldiers defeated by death from a smell, 
and not giggle a little bit at it, I <laughs> salute you. Thank you for your service. That is, I, oh boy. <laughs> it sounds like a Spinal Tap lyric, honestly. Sound it really deadly. does. <laughs> yeah. Fart yeah, bombs. Ha ha. Just to clarify, we're making fun of them um, belittling uh, the horrors of chemical warfare. <laughs> the weird thing is they're not trying to belittle it. It's just it's just he really, really, are. he really wanted to rhyme with hell. And he's like, what rhymes with hell? <gasps> oh, smell. <laughs> yeah, because it's the smell that's the part that's poisonous and is killing you. It's not like, you know, the way that the gas interacts with your bloodstream or chokes you or anything like it's definitely the smell that's the bad part and it it, it oh, defeats it's too them. stinky <laughs> it, it no, causes death <laughs> it's it smells so bad it causes death you know even if they didn't have toxic chemicals in it just the smell oh boy there is a well now now i'm starting to doubt myself because no uh no no name um did uh, um have a contribution here uh yeah death from a smell uh malodorants are a type of chemical weapon that has an extremely unpleasant odor that causes vomiting among other effects however they are not known to cause death (laughs) yeah no shit dude so well so i guess um is is there actually a malodorant like example a weapon examples oh yeah i mean i i think i hear about the u.s army experimenting with those like in our right. constant endless wars that have cost us trillions of dollars. I think right. they like so it's just something that's stink so bombs stinky or something. that it makes you like uh, vomit out your guts. Yeah, I think they use it on protesters not, not too. Lethally. Yeah, because our government is just loves free speech so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's fun. Um, I do kind of like these lines. Um, we have, well, in context, liquidate the torture kills the troops that try to fight Terminate, human pesticide brings bring days of doom. Mist falls, the deadly gas that brings them to their knees. Sacrifice, steal the soul, and send his corpse to hell. Um, which, that's kind of that weird. That works? I don't think that's how that works. Um, but I specifically like Terminate. I don't know, it sounds cool, man. <laughs> it does. It sounds it's piss so, a lot of people it off. wicked cool. <laughs> piss people off. Um, I do kind of like the lines, Terminate, human pesticide bring days of doom. Um, and it's not like... Uh, it's kind of it's weird grammatically and it's kind of a clumsy structure well i think it's supposed to be read terminate and then like what semicolon human pesticide bring days of doom yeah but that that line it should be brings well it's just like metrically all jumbled up human pesticide bring days of doom yeah you're right you could rewrite it to have a much better rhythm and probably have a rhyme uh because it doesn't rhyme with anything um but i do kind of think that the idea of bringing human pesticides into a song about chemical warfare is like pretty apropos and yeah you're is, right is like a pretty good idea and kind of demonstrates how little regard that the warmongers have for the victims the so either the soldiers or i don't know if there are civilians specifically named here yeah it does say mass genocide so i don't know if if soldiers can be part of a mass genocide or is it civilians that makes a genocide i don't know right Um, but uh, in general, this song is not very good. And the reason why is it's really vague and zoomed out. They're kind of like, Hey, let's write a song about chemical warfare, but they don't, they don't have a story. They don't have much to say except, Hey, this stuff happens and it's bad, I guess. And it's a massacre. They don't even like get into, Hmm. 
but but somehow this is like their most famous song. Is it? Well, it's up there. I, like I've been reading all this stuff that says it's like yeah, it's considered by many fans to be a classic and is regularly played live at Slayer concerts. Oh, like it's one of their first songs and they still play it all the time. Oh well, it's not very well written, not very good lyrically. Um, no. So listen to these lines: artificial fucking peace, general or lineup in a death row. Generals and their slow defeat diminish from this hell. Banished from the dying world, the lords of hell await. Dogs of war are helpless prey to immortality. How many people are being named there? And how many, who's, what's happening and why? And it's hard to say, Nathan. Yeah, it's, it's not. But, chem- but chemical warfare. <laughs> Talking about the issues that we're keeping in metal. Yeah. Th- oh, God. It's true. There's like a death row, but it's unclear who's in it. There's generals who are getting, have a slow defeat. Uh, and then there's hell. And then somebody's banished from the dying world. Then there's lords of hell. And then there's dogs of war. I don't know if there's actual dogs or if that's a metaphor. Pray. And then they're prey to immortality. Like what? It's, yeah, it's, it's not great. And I wanted to contrast it with um, some English nerd bullshit. Do you know of a poem called Dulce et Decorum Est? I don't think so. By Wilfred Owen. It's one of the most uh, famous poems coming out of World War One, And um, the, the thrust of the poem is to dismantle and destroy the kind of romanticized visions of warfare and honor and glory on the battlefield that were much more prevalent before World War One than they are now. Um, yeah, so it's like it, the end of the poem is like, you know, if you saw these horrors my friend you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie dulce et decorum est pro patria mori which in latin means it is fair and uh harmonious to die for your own country right um but the reason i wanted to talk about it is because of its second stanza it goes gas gas quick boys an ecstasy of fumbling fitting the clumsy helmets just in time but someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundered like a man in fire or lime, dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea I saw him drowning. Ugh. And then a two-line stanza, in all my dreams before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. A very eff- <laughs> That's very effective. Yes. It's very it's well It's a lot written. better than, than haunt, uh, sorry, than uh, Chemical Warfare, the song. Yeah. And or I, the or the thing, <laughs> yeah, it is actually better than <laughs> Chemical Warfare itself. Yeah, um, just but, uh, another, uh, you know, kind of like how um, this show is better than a lot of the music that we cover. Um, this poem definitely. about Chemical Warfare is better than the thing it's critiquing. So you know, commentary about something is always better than the thing itself. That's yeah. that's why I I read really more books about books than I read books, or I watch documentaries about movies more than I watch movies. Um, yeah, I just, so I just wanted to bring that up as an example of how grounding this uh, experience in specific details and a specific story makes, makes it gives it so much more punch and makes it much more impactful. Yeah. And it also it also like manages to give you a, a generalized view of how this thing is grounded in a specific story. Yeah. So that's my English nerd bullshit for the day. Love it. Thank yes. you. Do you want to do another live song and then uh, then the last original new song? 
Yeah, let's let's talk um let's talk about tritones. Let's listen to the Antichrist. Let's listen to the Antichrist and follow him. Okay, so that was the studio so, version from Show No Mercy. Yeah. And let's listen to the live version. Dude, that sounds so, so much better. Those guitars higher pitch mm-hmm. and it's it's a good like 25 BPM higher. Yeah, it's much faster. <laughs> I think the guitars and the drums sound way better. You can hear that double bass just hammering. And um, yeah, yeah I, I think one of the things I liked much more about the live album versus their first studio album and to a lesser extent their second is just like it sounds a lot. I think I like the way it's produced a lot more. I think the the production seems a little thin and anemic for Show No Mercy, yeah. and the live album is like real heavy and present and uh, full and rich sonically, especially on the guitars. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so I wanted to talk about this during uh, last week's episode, but we ran out of time and had to go pick up my son from school. Um, but uh, uh, Tom Mariah does an interesting thing where he'll. Um, do this high falsetto note he'll kind of go like like that um and no matter what key they're playing in he more or less played uh sang the same note um especially in the first album in show no mercy he would sing kind of somewhere between a fourth of the um key of the song or at least the section he was in mm-hmm. uh, it would be between a fourth and a sharp fourth mm-hmm Okay. Somewhere in there. Um, So it would always kind of lean towards um, what in music theory is called the tritone. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, there are um, 12 notes in Western music theory, um, uh, 12 possible tones, um, uh, depending on like not counting the tuning in between the notes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, basically all of the, all of the letters and then the sharps and flats of those letters and then taking out the um, the redundancies adds up to 12. And the uh, tritone is exactly uh, halfway in between. Um, so it you would think that um, exactly halfway in between the 12 tones would be like a consonant sound, but it's not. It's a very dissonant sound. Um, the reason being uh, that... Uh, um, the interval, I don't actually know what the interval is, but the interval of the vibrations, it, um, it only match. Well, let me look it up. Hold on real quick. Okay. Let's just take a second. Tritone pitch interval. Um, okay. So it looks like a tritone would be it, the, the vibrations wouldn't match up for um, every 25 of one tone to every 18 of the other tone. I don't understand what that means. Um, so like, uh, I, I, am assuming I'm reading that right, but like, you know how, um, sound is <laughs> like a vibrations per second or pitch is vibrations per second hurts. Don't you know? I know it? Yeah. Yeah. And so 
<clears throat> if you have like uh, two sounds that are the same pitch, they're going to have the same amount of vibrations per second. If you have two sounds, then that would be consonant. Obviously, the vibrations match up. And if you have um, one pitch and then a pitch that's an octave higher, the octave higher one would be double the um, amount of vibrations per second. Mm-hmm. So like A440, 440 um, vibrations, oscillations per second, and then um, 880 would be like the A an octave higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that would be a one to two ratio. Okay. So it yeah. still sounds consonant or um, I don't want to say good, but necessarily because that's relative, but it still sounds uh, consonant because um, the vibrations match up consistently. But a 25 to 18 ratio would be extremely dissonant because most of the vibrations that you hear would rub against each other. And so... That sounds um, hot. Right. So, I mean, yeah, like, it's not inherently um, bad. It's just um, uh, physically dissonant. Um, So... Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, it looks like it's 45 to 32. Um, I still don't so understand just like, what those numbers mean. That's the the ratio. So like oh. for every 45 vibrations um, uh, of one, there would be 32 of the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. At, at its lowest common denominator. Is that the word I'm looking for? The, 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 that's the smallest version of that ratio. So like um, it would be multiples of that ratio. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, like one to two is as to two to four or four uh, four to eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, so um, I think it's interesting. I don't know if he's intentionally trying to sing uh, this interval, um, but it is uh, historically associated with like Satan in the the West, at least, um, as like, you know, like Satan's interval. And um, it's sort of a rite of passage in like learning um, music theory uh, that like you'll have a music theory teacher tell you that it's like an evil interval and that um, in the Dark Ages, people used to be drawn and quartered for playing it. I, that seems a little extreme. I don't know. About that. I don't believe that. It's it's totally not true. <laughs> um, and uh, so I have. I'm going to read a little bit of uh, Wikipedia here for you. The name Diabolus in Musica, the Devil in Music, has been applied to the interval tritone from at least the early 18th century. Though its use is not restricted to the tritone. Blah blah blah. It's also about like minor seconds. Um. Uh. Uh, these notes represent, where is it? Um, okay. It seems to have first been designated as a dangerous interval when Guido of Arezzo developed his system of hexachords, and with the introduction of B-flat as a diatonic note, and much at the same time acquiring the nickname of Diabolus in Musica, the devil in music. Um, that original symbolic association with the devil and its avoidance led to Western cultural convention seeing the tritone as suggesting evil in music. However, stories that singers were excommunicated or otherwise punished by the church for invoking this interval are likely fantas- uh, fanciful. Oh, I thought you were going to say um, fantasy. And, any- and I was just fantasy fantasizing about it. Um, so uh, I won't get into it any more than that. But I just... I thought that it was interesting that um, 
I don't know how trained Tom Mariah is or like how on purpose he was singing these intervals, but in all of Show No Mercy, he's consistently singing um, around a tritone. Um, and then he does it a few times in this album as well. And uh, do you want to play a sound sample of him doing his falsetto tritone scream? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Don't really get a chance to get your bearings, um, but uh, I'll play like a clean tritone so everyone can hear um, on my on my banjo because that's what I have out. I love how much banjo um, metal is happening in this episode. So this is a fourth consonant sound. This is a fifth a consonant sound, and in between those is the tritone. Ah, uh, it's just like it's like music to my ears. Yeah. It reminds me of music for my ears. This is the start to like purple haze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. um. So a little bit of um, English major uh, bullshit and some theory theory major bullshit. Love it. it. Do we have anything else to say about this album? (laughs) You apparently have something of a of a pitch shift sound sample for this. I don't know what that means. For this song, sorry. Oh, yeah. So at the end of uh, The Antichrist, um, the audience, something weird happens to the sound of the audience at the end of the track. It sounds like it's getting higher and higher, like going towards like um, uh, uh, Chipmunk. Oh, maybe it's like a Doppler effect. Maybe the audience was running away because Slayer just yeah. rocks so hard. <laughs> ah, run away. Ah. Wee. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe that's it. Okay, well, here's what it sounds like. What the fuck? Isn't that weird? <laughs> Holy shit. I, how did I not notice that the first time I listened to this album? Yeah, they decided to do that. That's definitely a, a post-production thing, right? <laughs> I think so. I mean, maybe it's because they yeah. just slapped on the audience sound in the studio or something or there's at least a rumor about that um i think i've decided to become a uh, live undead truther <laughs> you know jet fuel can't melt fake audience tape hmm. i don't know okay let's see um let's talk about the last well mostly the last original song there's a bonus song called aggressive perfecter which did not originally appear on Haunting the Chapel and is going to appear on a later Slayer album, so we don't necessarily have to talk about it right it's now. Ki- it's kind of a good title. Yeah, it is. I like the the um, repetition of sounds in Aggressive Perfector, and it's got a nice, like, pleasing yeah. rhythm to it. It's, yeah. uh, what is that? It's a... Cellar door. It's, um, I forget which which poetic foot it is. Yeah, that's, that's a fun, that's a fun uh, English major term, poetic foot. <laughs> Um, but it goes unstressed, stressed, unstressed. Nathan has Aggressive. a poetic foot fetish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only poet with a poetic foot fetish. Hey. <laughs> you ever Are you ever typing in um, uh, Billy Collins into Google and then it says Billy Collins feet <laughs> in, in, the, in the autocomplete? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. I mean, you're assuming that I don't Google that on purpose. Um, I looked it up. It's actually an amphibrach. Goes unstressed, stressed, unstressed. Aggressive. Perfector. Yeah. Two amphibrachs. Two amphibrachs. 
<laughs> to quit. Yeah, it sounds like the beginning of a sitcom, am I right? <laughs> Two amphibracts, one of them's a place. slob, and one of them's uptight. How are they ever going to get along? All right. <laughs> okay. No yes ending for that. Um, let's talk about... Sorry. <laughs> I guess we can talk about... at the same, br- St. John's it. Bridge. Where did I find it? Oops. There it is. It's called Captor of Sin. And this, interestingly enough, there's a live version and a studio version that appears on this little compilation because there's a live version on Live Undead and a studio on um, Haunting the Chapel. So let's listen to the studio version first, if I can find the damn thing. Death is what you pray behold, Captor of Sin. So someone on Genius, let's see, is it No Known Name, says Captor of Sin is track two on Slayer's 1984 EP Haunting the Chapel. It has been performed live by Slayer close to 600 times since 1984. Yikes. Hmm. Its lyrics describe the conquest of Earth by Satan's spawn. And I do not believe that is actually right because you can hear Tom Araya introduce the song for the live version. And I'm going to say here, this is a big time trigger warning for some extremely demeaning and uh, violent language. If you're in the U.S., uh, Australians have different standards, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm given to understand or something. So there's going to be uh, lots of... They're misog- bad people. Yeah, <laughs> Australians. Well, why do you think they shipped them off to a penal colony? Um, yeah, so there's going to be some aggressive misogyny and the use of the C word. So skip forward by about 15 seconds if you don't want to hear that. This is for all the little cunts who like to spread their legs in the night. This is the title of Capture of Sin. Yeah, so not very sex positive, huh? Uh, I mean... Uh, defend it, Cameron. Yeah, it, it, how, do you, how, do, how can you defend this? I don't have a def- I don't have a defense for it, but like, you know, uh, are, are, is it supposed to be fun? <laughs> Just fun misogyny, you know. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't have a defense. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, you could you could say that maybe Slayer is trying to be fun and sassy in the same way that some people try to reappropriate the term slut, um, for instance, right. and say like. Hey, let's all just be fucking sluts tonight. Or, hey, where are my sluts at? Or whatever. You know, right. there are people who try to do those kinds of things. I don't know if I really believe that Slayer is trying to do that in 1984. Yeah, probably not. I don't have any reason to think that they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't think they're very intentional based on that one quote of Tom's. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So the opening lines are harlots of hell spread your wings as I penetrate your soul. Feel the fire shoot through your body as I slip into your throne. Cast aside, do as you will. I care not how you plead. Satan's child now stalks the earth born from my demon seed. So yeah, that really sounds like kind of a rape uh, situation going on there. Right. Yeah. They're not, they're not leaning into the, the, the good and freeing aspects of Satanism, like the temple, the satanic temple. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, well, implicitly bringing up the problem of the church of Satan and their motto, do as you will, which is actually quoted here. Um, Because 
if you will to go around raping people, that's not great. You know, there are a lot of people who will that you don't rape them. And if you will that you will rape them, then we got a problem here. Yeah. I, I, I'm not afraid to say it. I think I have a problem with, uh, Satanism. I think. All right. Not afraid to say it. Well, you're just a, a, a prude conservative. <laughs> and you're just too easily shocked. Yeah. With all this rape I mean, talk. It's the war on Christmas. Um, yeah. The chorus is hot wings of hell burns in my wake. Death is what you... Hot wings? <laughs> hot wings. Yum. Oh, they're so spicy. Oh, they're of hell. <laughs> There's too much capsaicin. Oh, oh. and then the next my line. Soul. The next I didn't line. Wash my hands with with dish <laughs> with dishwasher. Oh, uh, so. I hate that when you go to take a pee. Eey, that's not good. Not a good situation. Also, well, they did it once, never again. Also, the next day when you're clearing out the pipes, as it were, you get the second line of the chorus: "Burns in my wake." Oh my god! You got little spicy poops. <laughs> I've gotten to the point in my GI, if I could just have an aside real quick to talk about You got about a GI, GI bill that you want to read? Yeah. So, um, I don't know anything about the GI bill really, so I can't make a joke about that. Do you have um, GI Joe jokes? I really... <laughs> Do you ever eat GI Joes just because it's so perfect linguistically? It's a pun. Um, I can eat really <laughs> spicy food. I have a lot of trouble um, eating and peeing spicy food. <laughs> Wait, peeing spicy food? Yeah, dude, your urethra ever hurt after you eat uh, pickled jalapenos? I mean, I don't eat that much spicy food, but that's never happened to me. It's usually the other around the corner. Dude, it's just like everything's on fire. Oh, boy. Well, that's why you wash your Sucks. hands first. No. <laughs> no, I mean, like from the inside. Oh, Okay. See, what you want to do next time is get a funnel and just okay. uh, get, what's that, um, Iocane? What's that, what's that, like, burn cream stuff? Iocane powders, the Princess Bride <laughs> uh, has, has no, no smell, has no, no taste. No, no, it's uh, Lidocaine? I don't know. So you, you just want to funnel that all, all down in there, and that'll help. Or all up in there, as it were. Well, it depends on which way you're standing, if you're standing, and if you're, which way you're pointing, I guess. This is getting to be a filthy episode filthy filthy um yeah anything else to say about this song uh which song is this again captor of sin yeah uh why the title um double bass drum triplets oh you want to hear that yeah yeah Yeah, that sounds so fucking good. Yeah, I remember them being triplets. I can't tell right now because of Skype, but Skype's great. Anyway, yeah, pretty great little machine gun on the feet yeah, there. That sounds so cool. And that that's the live version. I don't I don't remember if the studio version has those. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot more liberties taken um, with all the instruments and vocals uh, in the live versions, and they're good. They're good risk, good risk taking. There's like a lot more drum fills and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I was just looking over my notes again. Also the song Chemical Warfare. Sorry, I'm skipping back to that song. There are these lines. Multi-death from chemicals. Arrogance has won. (laughs) Annihilation must be swift. Destroy without destruction. 
Cameron, I think we're getting into some, uh, shall I say, slam poetry? Yeah, we might have to do a little slam poem of Slayer lyrics at some point. Multi-death from Chemicals. It's worse than single death. Um, there's some good uh, genius annotations here. On uh, Chemical Warfare Destroy, or Chapter uh, Destruction. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Coke... Coke, uh, Coke, the IE LMAO says about destroy. That sounds like something we can trust. Destroying whilst no physical destruction is done aside from the brain and internal organs of those who have been targeted by the chemical warfare. How illuminating. <laughs> what? It's uh, honestly, it's not much better <laughs> than the lyrics themselves. I can't, I can't give them too much shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worse than the lyrics. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Any other any other musical moments or songs you want to talk about or anything? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Let's take a little trip to the Amazon for a few reviews. Gare Geller writes in the year 2000, Haunting My Ears. One star. This CD did nothing but haunting my ears with its noise, pollution, bad songwriting. Skip it if you can, because Slayer has nothing to offer you. They're after your money, that's all. Yeah. Cameron Slayer is just after your money because they chose the most popular genre that there is in order to write the yep. poppiest, hookiest, most earwormy songs, the most <laughs> bubblegum kind of shit that you're just going to hear on top 40. You know, they really sold out. Yeah. It's basically the Ariana Grande, Grande, Grande. Of, uh, of metal. <laughs> Grande. Ariana Grande. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, my God. Okay, Kelly McGovern in 1999 writes, Passion, anyone? And he or she gives it two stars. That's great and all that every, quote, metalhead known to man loves this band. I don't see what's so special. They are music is fast and furious, but who cares? I look for passion in music, and I just don't feel it from these guys. They have no passion. It's just stupid lyrics with no raw emotion or unbridled energy behind it. Take Korn's first album, or Machine Head, or Max Cavalera from Soulfly and Sepultura fame. These guys have passion, and you can feel it when they play. Slayer is just a lot of repetitive noise with no feeling. And here is the ultimate diss. Even Celine Dion has more passion than these guys. They just play loud, speedy metal. Impressive, but doesn't touch my soul. Why is she insinuating that Celine Dion isn't absolutely uh, brimming with passion? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they use it as a, as an example of like, even someone as passion free as Celine Dion has more passion than Slayer. <laughs> I mean, she's a noted headbanger, Celine Dion. Yeah. She's hardcore. That recorder solo <laughs> in that one movie. <laughs> so fucking tight. So metal. Oh man. Um, um, here's, here's an Amazon, uh, review. Slayer. Good Slayer. A nice album capturing the energy they had before signing to a major label. Hmm. Slayer. Good Slayer. Good Slayer. That's from Demonic, good that's from Demonic Doug. Good band. Oh, my God. That's, good Slayer? That's the best name I've ever heard. Oh, my God. We need to start a metal band called Demonic Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap up. Next up is... Uh, what's the album next? Hell Awaits. Yeah. And 
it's still not a major release, but I think it does get them more popular, if I remember right. I don't know. Hmm. I think the one after it, Rain and Blood, was like their first big breakout one. So we have Hell Awaits next week. Um, yeah, until next time, visit us online at boxset.website. Or, here we go. Here's Here's a new thing to announce. I have a hard time keeping up with and interacting with Twitter and email and especially Patreon. It's really hard to like have conversations on those platforms. So what I did is I set up a Slack space that Slack it to me. Slack it to you that us. people can use to talk at each other and at us. Um, and I mostly chose Slack because I use it at work. So it's always open. So if y'all want to join up Slack and get a little community thing going and talking and shit, and in a way where we might actually respond to you instead of just it getting lost in the ether or the internet swamp, then go to and y'all can talk to each other. Yeah, you don't even have to interact with us. Uh, you can go to totebs.slack.com, and I believe you can uh, ask to join there. Sign in. We shall allow it. We'll assume that if you're coming there, then you want to be there. Shit. I guess you can't directly ask for a um, username or whatever. So, yeah, just tweet us or email us or Patreon us um, some email that we can send the Slack invitation to, and we can send those out. There you go. Yeah. So I guess we'll have one more last hurrah with these platforms that are harder to keep track of. Yeah. Speaking of which, email us at email at boxset.website or tweet us at Topias Podcast. And again, if you want to support us directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. And so uh, many bonuses so, available. There to are you. so many. Yeah, we do. We do full length bonuses, usually about movies that are related to these artists in some way. Um, but those are harder to find time for. So we also have a weekly mini show called What's in the Box Weekly. And this week, Cameron talked about uh, I talked about um, Hey Riddle Riddle, uh, Adel Refai's Riddle podcast, and how much I like it. And more it's like my newest, Adel uh, Riddlefy. It is more like that. Yeah, it's much more like that, really. And I talked about another podcast on the same network, the HeadGum Podcast Network. It's called Punch Up the Jam. It involves Demi Adijuibe and Miel. I don't know her last name. I don't think she mentions it. And what they do is they deconstruct a pop song, break it down, talk about how dumb the lyrics are, and then they fix it. And so they essentially are writing really hilarious uh, takes, um, transformations of these songs. It's pretty funny. I definitely recommend. um, There's a ludicrous episode that's ultra funny. It's very dirty, though. Um, Yeah. So until next week, um, I have been Nathan Hunt and... I've got a soft, squishy head. I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to little wiggle my guitar. Hmm. Wait a minute. I was going to... Hmm. I'm Nathan Hunt, and kudos to Satan. I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to go eat some evil hot wings. (laughs) Yum, 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 yum. That was hard to talk about the live album and the studio album. Yeah, I wondered if it might be. Um, after a certain point, I was just like, I, there's only so much I can say about m- music. Right. Like, 
songs that are more or less the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, at a certain point, it's just sort of like a you had to be there kind of thing. <laughs> you had to be there when I was listening to this album. I had it up on Spotify. Yeah. I had headphones on. I was writing JavaScript. It was great. You should have been there. Cameron, you should have been there. I needed you. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. How Jesus. can I write JavaScript without your help? I was the missing link there. Mm-hmm. The marvelous missing link. That's true. Oh, that's speaking of which, they're releasing Fearless Fred Fury in January or February. Holy shit. Yeah. We'll have to check back. <laughs> it's going to be the first new release of an artist that we've covered, like a full album. I think Abba yeah. has released like a song or two or whatever. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. More ICP. Gotta have it. <laughs> 